Too late to alter course, mateys. Under the sea. Under the sea. You're gonna need a bigger boat. Got a whale of a tail to tell you, lads. A whale of a tail or two. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the WDW Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangiello, and this is show number 341 for the week of October 27th, 2013. I'm here to help you have the best possible Disney vacation experience and bring you a little bit of Disney magic to wherever you are with this podcast, my videos, blog, live broadcasts, special events, my Walt Disney World trivia books, audio tours, and more. You can find it all over at www.radio.com. The Disney Magic, the first ship in the Disney Cruise Line fleet, has been completely reimagined and offers guests new adventures, including new spaces, reimagined areas for adults, kids, and families, and a lot of exciting additions throughout the ship. I just returned from a preview cruise aboard the ship where everything old is new again. And we're going to have a roundtable review this week of the ship, the decor, staterooms, entertainment, the Aqua Dunk, other activities, dining options, and much more. I'll then have the answer to our last Walt Disney World trivia question of the week and pose a new challenge for your chance to win a special Disney prize package. Then stay tuned for some updates and announcements and more of your voicemails at the end of the show. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. You know I say at the end of every show and truly consider each and every one of you not just a friend, whether we've met yet or not, but part of my extended family. And you guys have really once again demonstrated that friendship and support because WDW Radio was just nominated for a podcast award in the travel category over at podcastawards.com. And I am sincerely honored and grateful and humble for that recognition. And it really is all about you and your support and the community that you guys have created together. And I want to ask you for a little bit of help. Because starting Friday, November 1st, if you visit podcastawards.com, you can vote for WDW Radio in the travel category, which is on the lower right-hand corner of the slate of categories. Be sure to include your name and a valid email address because your vote is likely going to need to be verified by clicking on an email that you're going to receive from the podcast awards. Remember, you can vote once per day every day until the voting period ends. And obviously, your votes every day are necessary and important to helping the show. And you also know that at the end of every show, I ask that if you like the show to please help spread the word and tell others if possible. I want to ask if you could please do the same here. Please share the link on Twitter and Facebook and Pinterest and Google Plus and let your friends know as well. Thank you so very much for all the support and most importantly, all the friendship that you've extended to me. The greatest reward has always been getting to share my passion for Disney with you. And for that, I am truly grateful beyond words. Again, vote daily starting Friday, November 1st over at podcastawards.com. This nomination is by, for, and about you. So thank you.
When the Disney Magic, the first in the Disney Cruise Line fleet, set sail for the first time in 1998, it set the standard for family fun at sea and brought that theme park and Disney experience to cruising for the first time. And now it has been completely reimagined with new areas, exciting additions for the entire family, for kids and adults, and a lot of new adventures from bow to stern. This past weekend, I had a chance to experience the magic firsthand. I want to share with you a little bit about what's new, what's changed, and why the Disney magic might be something you should consider for your next cruise. And uh, experiences at Disney or at sea are always better when they are shared with family and friends. And I had a chance to do experience it with both this past weekend. And I'm joined by a couple of friends who I wanted to come on and uh, talk about their experience as well. Of course, no cruise would be complete without the uh, without the sharing it with Becky Mankin from Mouse Fan Travel. I was wondering where you're going to go with that. I'm really glad that you stopped at that point. <laughs> so, thank you, Lou. I'm here, and I have no idea what we're going to say, but we'll, we'll figure it out as we go. We didn't get to record at sea, so now we're in the shadows of the Mary Blair mural here at the uh, Contemporary Resort. So that monorail you might be hearing uh, going by in the background, and also speaking of good, great friends and great bloggers, is also Zach Suzanne. From Xanaland.com. Hey, Lou and Becky, it's great to be here. I'm excited to talk about everything we experienced on the magic. I am too, and uh, in the interest of full disclosure, we were all invited guests uh, by Disney to experience the magic firsthand in its inaugural sailing. It was delayed for a couple of days uh, due to some weather and other things left out of the port of Miami. And, you know, I'll tell you, before I went on the ship, I had been on the magic many, many years ago. I've been on the magic, on the wonder, and Having been on the dream and the fantasy, I fell in love with those new ships. The size of the ships, the technology, the features. And I think a lot of people start to look at the magic and wonder, as I've been referred to, as sort of the classic ships, the older ships, the smaller ships. And so what was your sort of level of expectation? What were you thinking before you had a chance to either see any of the concept art or actually step on board? That's a really good question because I tried not to come up with anything in my brain of what to expect. I was um, hoping to see some new experiences, things that we hadn't seen before. I didn't want to see just a miniaturized version of the Fantasy or Dream, which was I was, I was kind of afraid that we would see. Um, but I was pleasantly surprised. We walked away with the knowledge that the magic is its own experience. It has its own things that you can do on board that you can't find on the other ships. So pleasantly surprised in that. And, you know, to call it a smaller ship is almost a bit of a misnomer because when you do pull up the port, I mean, it still is a massive vessel. But what about you, Susanna? You've been on, obviously on the Dream and the Fantasy 2. Did you have any sort of preconceptions before stepping on the Magic? Well, I had not been on the Magic since 1999, so I had sort of forgotten everything about it. I was on the Dream last year with you guys, so that was the ship that was in my brain, and um, I was really pleasantly surprised as well. I loved the size of the ship. Um, I didn't really miss the huge size of the dream and the fantasy. I thought it was a great intimate little ship, and I think it's a great ship for like first-time cruisers, um, first-time family cruisers, and uh, I just loved it. Yeah, and we'll sort of talk later on about you know what we expected before we came in, but when we left, what we thought, because I will tell you that, that I was pleasantly surprised by how I felt about the ship, because I, I expected it to be, like you said, a smaller, not as maybe updated version of the dream, maybe some new paint, some new finish here and there, but there's really a different sense when you walk on board, and when you step into the atrium there, the first thing I noticed was that the the ship felt bigger than what I remembered it, and I think it's because of 
the way they redid the atrium and the color palette. And the first thing that you'll notice is sort of this idea of storytelling and going back to a modern classic. When Disney launched the cruise line after the Big Red Boat in 1998, it was about classic sailing vessels, right? The lines, the smokestacks, even the colors meant to sort of embrace that idea of this this romance of going out to sea uh, on, a, on a seaborne voyage. And I think what happens over time, in fact, you know, in the cruise industry, what we're seeing now are these megaships, these floating cities. And to a certain degree, they're almost sort of analogous to a Las Vegas casino. When you step on board, you step inside, you are in that environment, and you sort of forget that you are at sea. For some people, that's a good thing. For others, it's not. I think what the magic does is really embraces the idea of storytelling and being at sea and this idea of adventures on the ocean. And I think they do a lot in terms of storytelling that, that comes through the second you walk into the atrium. Yeah, and it, it's also like you said the, the the size of the ship. The older, or the, excuse me, the newer ships, the um, Fantasy and the Dream, are 130 gross tonnage apiece. So that is a, a pretty large ship. The um, classic ships, or now I don't want to call it that anymore. I need to find some new vernacular. The Magic class. The Magic class. Here we go. We're 83,000 tons. So you can tell that it is almost not quite twice as large, but there is a significant in size. So when you do walk into the lobby now, like you said, the colors are. Different. But they also removed a whole stairwell on the side as well, which really opened it up. So it, it really does have a, a new, fresh, um, larger feel to it. And it is sort of in this idea, and, and Joe Lanzicero, the Imagineer who was in charge of a lot of the spaces on the dream and the fantasy and the reimagineering, said it really is like filmmaking. So it's that setup shot, right? It's sort of that first shot that really sort of sets the tone for the story you're going to see. Yeah, and you're talking about the color palette. I love the new colors. The carpets everywhere are just works of art in themselves. Um, where the magic doesn't have the fancy chandeliers that you see on the dream and the fantasy, you look down in the magic and you see these wonderful um, works of art on the carpet. And it's just great to see throughout the ship. It's like their new little designs and merchandise and things like that. So I loved it. Yeah, and it doesn't. I think for some people, we said before, and not in a bad way, but the the magic started to feel a little bit dated because of right. how many years it's been in service. And look, you know, it, it's we talked with some people, and and you know, sort of by maritime standards, the the life of a ship is usually around what fifteen or so years. This is very much sort of met that. But now you walk in, you see the corals and the blues and the aquamarine and all the seashells and the waves in the decor, and it has a very very different, much more updated yet still sort of classic art deco feel to it. It really does and that's just it. It's the art deco update that sets it apart from the other ships that might be a little tired in other cruise lines that are are falling out of the fleet now at about that 15 year mark. They've done a really good job. Actually they did from the initial design way back in 1998 when it came out to allow for these updates and to um, keep it fresh and and keep that art deco classic ship appeal from the 40s and 30s and 40s what it was initially conceptualized from. And again, it's about story. So when you look at the chandelier, it's sort of inspired by the rays of the sun. If you look down at the carpet, it's sort of the glistening of the sun on the surface of the ocean. So it does very much embrace the fact that you are at sea. And as you start to sort of piece the stories together, you see, you know, the the giant portholes on the side that really gives you a sense of not that you're sort of locked in this, you know, I sort of use the, the casino metaphor again. But you really are enjoying this idea of being out at sea and being out on deck and sort of the the allure and the adventure of of being at sea. Yeah, I think that was the feel definitely on the ship and being at sea 
was the destination, just being on that ship and enjoying all the things the ship itself had to offer, as well as, you know, seeing everything there was outside, the new pool areas and things like that. Um, That was definitely, you weren't looking for more activities and more, you know, casinos and things like that to fill your time. The ship filled your time. I love what you just said is that the ship is the destination because that, that's a great way because people say well you know where's the magic going we'll talk about destinations you know where's the magic going where's the dream going I'm like I don't care it could sit in port it could go around in circles for a while. go to Castaway Key twice and, and I'm happy it, the port's a secondary almost tertiary to the experience of being on board the Disney ship. And I think that comes right from the Imagineers who've created this. And I want to give props to to Joe because we saw him speak about the changes and the updates. And it was so neat to see his eyes light up. You could tell that he was so invested and so passionate about this project and what they put into it. It's it's not like just they went to a shipbuilder to say, hey, we want a ship. Let's we want a ship. But to see these guys really put in their passion and their love for this product and the brand. And it really does tell that story on board. And this idea of storytelling, which I think, you know, really only Disney has. And if you're a Disney aficionado or enthusiast, you get that sense of story and place. And, and we'll see as we talk about some of the different areas, even in the kids area. It's all about story. But what I think has always been the Disney distinction is not just the level of service and the quality of the ship and the design, but it is about the cruising experience being made for not just kids and families, but even adults, too. And what I think they do better than anybody is compartmentalize these particular spaces. The kids have their own spaces, teens have their own spaces, adults have their own spaces, but it really is all about coming back together again as a family. And, and I think what I like about the kids' spaces is not just it gives them the right time to sort of do their own thing, but it gives them a, a, a sense of ownership, right? It gives them a sense of independence that they can sort of go and be in their spaces. They're not going to be interrupted by mom and dad. They can sort of go and do their own thing but later on, we come together again as friends or family to experience it together. Yeah, and you, you find a lot of these families, especially, will have clients that come back and they'll say, I couldn't get my kids out of the kids' club. I actually want to spend more time with my kids. But there's others like, I'm so glad that they were able to make new friends and they were able to have this experience in an environment where I feel safe to let them be out on their own and, and be in the kids' clubs. And I don't have to worry about them if I'm on deck or if I'm at the spa. So they have done a really good job of instilling that sense of security for the parents and for the children to have a great time together. I will tell you, uh, especially when my daughter was born, I was the incredibly overprotective father. No. The very, yeah, really. <laughs> shocker. The very first time I ever left my kids alone was on the Disney cruise because I got that sense that nobody can take them out. They are going to watch out for my kids as if they were their own. The, the cast members, the, the crew members there, you know, really make you feel as though that they love and they care for your kids. They're not just going to sort of plop them down in front of a TV somewhere and let them play video games. It's a very immersive, but more importantly, a very safe kind of environment. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk about the, the, the individual spaces, but I'm going to tell you, for me, one of the things I walked away from this ship being pleasantly surprised about that I fell in love with were the adult spaces, right? Yes. I, I've talked before. We've come off the dream the last two cruises. We've been on the fantasy before. I love the district on the dream. I love evolution, but I love the after-hours entertainment district here, which really has been, you know, almost gutted and they started from scratch. Yeah, I've seen that ship go through several versions of the adults area. This by far is the best job that they have done overhauling. And 
it was amazing to walk into what's now Fathoms for the very first time. And the lighting was all blue. And they have little individual cubbyhole areas where you can um, sit with your friends and have conversations. And it's easy then to walk down the hallway to get to O'Gill's. And it's easy then to walk down the hallway and go to Keys. It's not like you're... Um, trying to get around a maze to find the different locations. It's so easy to get around with great theming and some really cool atmosphere. What I like is that all the different spaces have sort of different feels and dynamics and really different energy levels to it. I agree, and I completely fell in love with those areas as well. The last time I cruised, I really just wasn't that into that area. I mean, this was back in 99 when it was Route 66 and all that originally. But, I mean, Fathoms, like Becky just said, the lighting is, you just want to live in there. It's so pretty and nice to look at. And uh, Keys, I completely fell in love with as well. It's so elegant with the color schemes and the, you know, metallics and the leather and it's just perfect. I loved it. And uh, O'Gill's is a great, totally different vibe if you're doing the sports bar thing or you want to play a game. And they're just a, an amazing job. They did a great job with them. I sort of hate to keep using the same phrase over and over again, but there really is sort of something for everybody in that adult mm-hmm. section, right? Uh, again, they're all, it has a very sort of sleek, modern, sophisticated, but very warm and comfortable feel in all the different areas. And when I was talking about before about this idea of embracing the sea, that's very much what, what Fathoms does. It, it celebrates the sea with the special effects and the lighting and the sound. And you can go in there early in the night, and there might be a singer or a comedian, and then later on it becomes more of a nightclub if you want to go dancing. Keys is a little bit more laid back, more relaxed. It's a, it's a piano bar, so you have a nice little cocktail. We had a, a few One, glasses two. or a few. Research. <laughs> All research. You know, but you order a glass of wine and they bring it over on a rolling cart to you. And there's some, there is something that sort of, that's the only kind of, it's it is very elegant. You feel, and even the wine glasses and just the, the, the performers and the decor in there um, has that sort of, um, sort of winding down at the end of a night. Like you have a nice meal and then you go sort of relax in, in keys for a while. Yes, and I have to, you talked about the rolling cart when I ordered the Coco Royale, which I recommend to everyone on there. It's coconut tequila, which they bring over in a glass, and then they pour right next to you the uh, Moe ice champagne and fresh coconut flakes they scoop into the drink. It was so fun, just like the experience of getting that drink, and then it was really good, too. So, Right, right. the fact that they finish a table side, you know. It, it turns into a show. It's not just that you're going to sit down with your friends and have a cocktail. You've got a show going on around you, an experience that happens around you, too. So they really have kind of taken it up a level from that. Now, O'Gill's, which is actually much larger than any than the other O'Gill's, which is on the Fantasy, because it was so very popular on the Fantasy, has a sort of... Irish pub and sports bar. It has a little bit more of a masculine feel to it with the dark woods and the green accents. It's more of a place that you could sort of hang out and talk if you want to watch the game or if you want to watch sports. There's Irish singers in there as well, too. But it has sort of that neighborhood bar kind of feel to it. And there's also, again, lots of little cubbyhole spaces. It's not like a loud kind of place. It doesn't smell like like beer, like if you go someplace in Hoboken. But um, there is... Wow. <laughs> I know, I'm dating myself. Um, 
kind but, of want to yell norm when you're right, there. You know? Right, but it, it's, a, it, it's sort of a fun, much more casual kind of atmosphere there. Yeah, it, it feels like Cheers. It feels like the bar at Cheers where everybody knows each other and they're very warm and it's a, a good environment. And like you said, the games are all out. So you can play table games. You can watch the, the, um, the sports on TV that are there. You can just sit and talk with the, um, with the bartenders who are very friendly and open. And it's just a really nice neighborhood pub feel. Did you get a chance to go? And where the like? So where did you spend most of your time? We, we were, granted, we weren't there for very long. But <laughs> um, I walked through Fathoms, and there was a show going on, some sort of uh, game show thing happening. And then we ended up in Keys, and that's really just where I fell in love. Like I would spend all my time yeah. in there. It's it was perfect. I would like to go back to Fathoms again. We need to go yeah. back. We need to go back and see Fathoms on a, a normal longer yeah. cruise night when the late night sort of dancing and things there. But let's sort of say quickly with the rest of the adult spaces, not just in the late night lounges, because when you think of adult spaces, not only is there uh, adult spaces for in the evenings, but there's adult spaces during the day too. And one of the continuing very popular things on not just the cruise line, but here at Walt Disney World as well too, are the census spas. And the census spa here, which I did not get a chance to experience yet, um, has been updated. It's more modern. It's very sleek. And it's been expanded by 725 feet, so it's about almost 12,000 square feet. So there's new spa services. Uh, there's even stuff for men, like there's barbershop chairs. This is really where, and I know you guys smile when I talk about Census Spa. This is where a lot of people like to sort of, and it's nice because it very much is an escape. It really is. We had a whole tour, so we got to see every room that they have. They have a new um, teen chill spa, so they can do teen treatments in there. We saw the barbershop. Um, one of the expanded areas is where they have the chairs and you can get pedicures and things and you're looking right out to the sea. Um, so that's a great new area to sit and have a view while you're getting your services done. They have so many different massage rooms with all different hot stone treatments. There's couples massages. It was just amazing. And then the rainforest, of course, which is everybody's favorite with the heated seats and everything. I loved it. I can't wait to go back and actually do something. <laughs> I want to go back because... It- you know, again, they've got sort of a section for men too. They actually do hot lathered shaves, sort of that old. You're talking about this, sort of this idea of classic, sort of that hot lathered, you know, straight razor shave. <laughs> I don't know why you're putting the microphone to me at this point. <laughs> straight razor shaves. <laughs> Never have one. I had one. That sounds a little scary, actually. But I, I actually, believe it or not, I didn't get to see the spa. So. I did hear that it was fabulous. I'm hoping that I'll have to have this opportunity to go back so I can check it out. But they have done a great job with the Census brand across the the fleet as they brought that online. And it really is a wonderful experience. And all I can think of are those tiled chairs in the rainforest room. That's where I have, that's my happy place. (laughs) It's sort of of the ultimate relaxation kind of getaway. And you sort of again using the Las Vegas metaphor you forget about what time it is where you're supposed to be it's very easy to get lost in there in the best possible sense we'll talk about the adult dining when we talk about the, the restaurants a little bit because obviously Paulo is is I know your ultimate favorite experience but there's also and I think this is what people don't understand about these ships they say oh I'm not going to go on a Disney cruise it's just a bunch of kids running around screaming with Mickey Mouse not at all because even on the, the magic class of ships there are uh, adult spaces um, ad- for adults only on the top decks they have their own quiet cove pool on deck 9 the cove cafe there's signals you can relax 
read, listen to music, sit down on deck if you want to that, that quiet environment. Right, and one of the things that a lot of people don't realize is that on most cruise lines, they have casinos on board. And those casinos are, of course, the adult spaces and areas. And on the Disney cruises, what they have done is they've taken those spaces that normally would be um, dedicated to the casino space and turned those into the kids' areas. So a lot of the times, you'll actually see less children on a Disney cruise than you will on other cruise lines because they are so well contained (laughs) in those kids' clubs' areas. And then, of course, they've done a brilliant job of setting aside adults-only areas by the pool and, of course, Palo for for dining and other... um, adult experiences to kind of separate out for those who are just traveling together as adults. Right, and that's the thing. You can sort of choose, you know, if you want a more family. But look, you, you know how many people book Disney cruises who are solo travelers, many. couples with no children, you know, because it's not that type of thing where it's, you know, kids everywhere all the time. And not that that's a bad thing, right? Right, and uh, a lot of people will say that right away when we talk about, would you stop that? <laughs> but he hates children, no, but that's... I a- don't, no, I don't. <laughs> if I, all right, you would drop the microphone if I hit you right now, so we're just going to totally not do that and we'll fight about it later. Um, a lot of people do come to us and they say, I, we love Disney, but we are afraid of a Disney cruise because we don't want it to be the middle of a theme park at sea. And it is so not a theme park at sea. And that's, it's one of the misnomers that um, good design and good experiences and good story will help us kind of crack the code of that. Because there, people who, um, who think that way, it's kind of like you go to Disney World and all you can eat is chicken nuggets. It's the same type of, of, um, of misnomer that they have in their head. Don't, uh, don't disregard this as a possibility for your vacation if you're just adults. Because it is a fantastic experience for just adults. And if you do have kids, there's nowhere else that I would send them because I will tell you that my, my, all right, or I, you? I, or me, my <laughs> favorite space uh-huh. on board this ship, you, and listen, like I'm the only one, was far and away the brand new Oceaneers Club. Again, all the cruises have the Oceaneers Club, the Oceaneers Lab for some of the old, older kids. Oceaneers Club is for kids who are ages 3 to 12, been completely reimagined, and we talk about how everything is about story. That is very much, you walk through that threshold and you are in this area where there are different sort of storybook facades that your kids can walk into. Everything from uh, Andy's room and Toy Story, which is a two-level thing you can climb up and it's sort of like being under Andy's bed. You can, I know, you're laughing because you know where I'm going. I know. start there? Because I'm I'm saving the best for last. Right, so you go into Andy's room, and there's a giant Mr. Potato Head, the Toy Story piggy bank, a slinky dog two-level slide. Uh, there's Pixie Hollow, where you can sort of be shrunk to pixie size. There's costumes in all these different rooms. What I like is that they added a Mickey Mouse Club. Yeah. Right, because how many kids sort of don't make that connection? to Mickey? And sort of Disney is re-embracing that now with the new Mickey Mouse cartoons on the Disney Channel. I, I like this very... Um, interactive uh, sort of area that borrows from, again, that sort of Mickey Mouse of the 30s and the 40s. There's this big goofy gear thing, but who am I kidding? Yeah. Right? Because that's not the most important (laughs) thing. I will tell you that I walked in there during the open house and we all made a beeline to the Avengers Academy. It gives you a chance to make you feel like you are on the helicarrier and you are in the shield base and it is this very sort of high-tech superhero driven thing and look uh-huh. let's sort of let, let me back off from geeking out for a second <laughs> more importantly this is the first permanent and Disney refers to it as attraction based on Marvel characters 
since the acquisition, right? It's interesting that they chose to put it here. I'm a little upset that it's only for children, but it is incredibly cool. You walk in, you feel like you're on the helicarrier. There is the Iron Man suit. There's Thor's hammer. There's Captain America's shield. And you feel as though you are part of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, and the biggest mistake, like you said, is they don't have this accessible for adults because I think that would probably be more... um, uh, completely crowded, more so than the dance club. (laughs) But it was incredibly cool. We made a beeline for it. The effects in it alone, just the the lighting and the um, the strobe effects and the video screen and of course the one piece of technology that made all of our jaws hit the floor when they asked you to stand in front of the screen and make a stance with your hands out and it took took a picture and all of a sudden the pieces of Iron Man's suit flew on your body on the screen. And it was so well done, and it looked exactly like you were looking in the mirror, and those pieces were going on your body, and it, it was jaw-dropping. I, I have to correct you, because when we were there for the open house, they were describing these different experiences. And I said, well, I, I want to do it. Like, can you turn it on? <laughs> and he's like, well, we're not really... I'm like, no, I, I want to be Iron Man. Like, I need to be Iron Man. But fortunately, I fit the height requirement, so it worked out perfectly for me. But you look up at this at this screen, and you're right, and you get to sort of fly around and use your your you know weapons and repulsors and yeah you geek out at like a, a big kid and you saw the the faces of the kids were in there their brains were falling out of their heads <laughs> it's true and like becky was saying the effects and the lighting that every 10 minutes or so they'll do a different um effect for the different agents of shield uh, so there'll be a thor one there'll be a hulk one and it's just so amazing you don't want to leave i didn't want to leave I agree they need to make adult hours so you can go in and play with all the stuff. And it needs to, somehow, they need to get over licensing of something to get it into interventions here or something like that. Because it was amazing. And, and the cool thing about it, too, is, and this is just not that area, but whether it's the Oceaneers Lab or the club, you don't drop your kids off and they're just left to go run off and play. Especially in the Avengers Academy. It very much is a multi-day experience, right? So you'll go one day, and you will become Iron Man. You'll go another day, and you'll be trained as an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. You'll go back later on, and for the first time, you will meet Captain America. Ladies, keep calm down. Calm down. (laughs) Granted, he was dreamy, and I gave him an uncomfortably long hug, but, you know, Captain America is on board that ship. Look, we were all laughing. We freaked out as much as the kids did when we met him. Yeah, I didn't know what I was going to expect when I walked in there to see it. It's like, you know, it's going to be it's going to be cute. It's in the kids club. It's Marvel. But then to learn all of the cool things these kids get to do over the, the course of their cruise, they get assignments. Like you said, it's it's a multi-day experience. If you are into Marvel, this is the place for you. And unfortunately, you have to be you know 12 years older <laughs> or younger, which is the hard part for us. But it, it is so neat to see. But they've kind of pushed aside, not pushed aside, I shouldn't say it that way. They have added something for the boys, where we've always been about the princesses and the meet and greets and and that type of thing for the characters. But now we have something for the the boys, and they're going to be so excited to see this. Yeah, and what I like, too, is it connects directly to the Oceaneers Lab, which, again, is also for ages kids, uh, kids ages 3 to 12. And this is more about discovery and exploration and learning, not in a sort of academic sense, but 
it sort of has this idea of being on, again, it embraces the idea of being on a ship. So there's a lot of nautical maps. There's interactive things where your kids can pretend as if they are really steering the ship in and out of port. Uh, there's games, video walls, digital stations, animation studios, uh, pirate passageways. So things that sort of allow kids to not just play, but create things that they can take with them as well. Yes, and you mentioned briefly the Mickey Mouse Club. I love how they've tied in the new Mickey Mickey Mouse shorts that are showing on the Disney Channel. So kids instantly recognize, like, oh, that's what I see at home on TV. They have all of the images from those shorts on there, and they're playing 24 hours a day on one of the channels in your room now. So I thought that was a cool little addition as well. And if you have little ones, you know, because there's always the dis- discussion and debate, well, how young is too young to take my kids? I have utilized, and I really like, the Small World Nursery. That's for sort of the youngest and littlest cruisers. Um, This is a beautiful space. It's obviously inspired by the work of Mary Blair. Again, a lot of sort of hands-on things to do. So if you do have young kids, it's not going to preclude you, you know, a, a, a new family from going on a cruise. It does give you the opportunity to do stuff together, but if mom and dad want to go off, and go to Palo or go to the spa or go wherever, they can do this and know that the kids are going to be in an environment specifically made for the little ones. I've actually done this when my daughter was old enough. She went into the Oceaneers Club. We put my youngest, my, my son, in the Small World Nursery. We walked out and went, well, now what do we do? <laughs> because we weren't used to being alone. We weren't used to not having our kids with us. But that sense of, again, safety and security um, really is what sort of drew it to us. So there's those with the inside spaces, but look, you're out at sea. It's all about the sun and the surf and the water. And, you know, out on deck nine and deck 10, this is really where your, your jaws again start to drop open again. For the dream and the, and the fantasy, it was all about the aqua duck. Here, it's all about the aqua dunk, which is a very different type of attraction. And it's a rock, look, it's a thrill ride, right? Mm-hmm. It's this 37 foot tall body slide that you are launched out of. You, you walk up you're to not the. Launched. You're launched. Well, you're, you're launched, or it's more Drop. like a trap door. That you, yeah, but you walk up to the, the forward funnel and you're sort of enclosed in this. Uh, this translucent capsule and you're instructed to cross your arms and cross your legs make the sign of the cross if that's what you feel like you want to do and they count you know Huey, Dewey and Louie built this for you they count down and literally the floor drops down from you and you extend like the aqua duck 20 feet over the side of the ship and I, I'm not even looking at you guys because you guys didn't do it it's not wrong how could something so wrong feel so right because you're going over the edge of the ship <laughs> it, it looked people were coming off of that with the biggest smiles on their faces and writing it over and over and over again and it for the amount of space they had to work with to come up with that concept was brilliant. It was really brilliant. And I know that that's going to be one of the most popular things to do on the ship for sure. And you know what's interesting too? You see other ships have sort of followed or, or tried to follow suit from Disney in terms of what they're adding in terms of entertainment, kids' spaces, uh, attractions like this at sea. And a lot of times, you look, you pull up next to these other ships either in port and they just don't have that same look, right? They just they bought some kind of a ride and they bolted on the side and Disney designs these and they create them so they really embrace the lines of the ship. It's a look, it's a simple, simple, silly detail, but 
they make sure that you can still see the logo on the funnel and the colors match the ones on the lifeboats. Everything is consistent, and they create a story around it, how this is Huey, Dewey's, and Louie's, and it's the, it connects over to the Aqualab space, which is sort of this interactive 1,800-foot um, water play area. There's water slides, there's water boilers, and, and it really is It's almost like a mini water park at sea. It really, I mean, there were so many kids that maybe were a little bit too scared to go on the aqua dunk, or maybe grown-ups, because I think grown-ups can ride on this new slide now, right? The, in the aqua Right, so there's the new, the, it's a little bit tamer twist yeah. and spout. But it's longer than what they had before, and uh, it was, it's, you can see it. So you can see people, you can walk by on deck 10 and look down on people going on the slide. So it was a big hit. Kids were playing with all those splashing waters and, you know, falling waters everywhere. It was great. It was a great addition. And they even, you know, like having the Small World Nursery, they even have spaces specifically designed for for some of the little kids, right? Because sometimes you don't, you know, as a parent, you are concerned with bigger kids, the way they play in the pool. They've got the... um, the nephew splash zone and that's just for kids up to age three it's interactive there's even learning kind of stuff there and there's a definitely against that that sense of comfort but i think this is where and and it's these outside spaces that i think about this first and foremost again the kids have their spaces the adults have their spaces but really it's all about families and, and friends coming together and i think the pool areas are uh, some of the, one of the best examples of that, right? So you've got sort of the, the goofy family pool, the funnel vision outside, being able to watch Disney movies, and there's games, and there's dance parties and stuff going on. This is where a lot of that sort of family bonding time takes place. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we, we saw a lot of that go on, especially on the Sail Away party and, a, and the Pirate Night party. I mean, they do such a great job with those quick and easy stage shows. They get excited. There's a lot of dance parties that go on. There's a lot of... Um, of encouragement to dress up like pirates and princesses and to enjoy the experience together. And that, and I think that's really what this is about, right? So you hang out by the pool. There's the deck parties, like you said, the adventures party, the pirates in the Caribbean party with the fireworks at sea. Everybody has fun. It goes on late. You know, I, I think, too, the, we should talk here about the entertainment because I think that's, too, where a lot of times people come together. And we'll talk, usually it's before or after your dinner. But the, the shows on the magic, much like the uh, shows on, on the wonder and the dream and the fantasy, are these sort of Broadway quality shows. So the magic has Disney Dreams, an enchanted classic, Twice Charmed, Villains Tonight uh, are the three, and obviously the wonder has Toy Story and Golden Mickey's. But these are not sort of um, that they're they do sort of have that much more uh, elaborate style feel. This is where you kind of forget that I think that you're at sea when you go into the theater. Yeah, I agree. And it's, you're, you're watching a show that you would, you know, pay money to see normally. They're, the quality of the acting and the singing and everything is just, it's wonderful. And there's the storyline. You really get invested in what's going on. And it, it's a great way to end the evening um, and then, you know, drop your kids off at the kids' area and you can keep going all night. So, uh, well, Before you drop your kids off, I, I think one of my favorite places is, um, is D-Lounge in, in, in Midship because this is where it's sort of that combination of the kids' area and the adult area where those interactive family-style games come together, right? So there's trivia contests, there's how well do you know your family, there's karaoke so you and your kids are getting up. You're embarrassing each other. You're, look, you're never going to see the other people on the ship. That, again, anyway, it doesn't really matter. But you're doing stuff 
together, whether it's a dance party or a contest or you're dressing up. And I think this is where a lot of those... Look, you go and watch a show, that's one thing, you're sitting together. But here, and you're doing things together and you're playing games. You know, my family and I went to the Promenade Lounge. They had, uh, you know, not just board games there, but interactive sort of trivia games and charades. That's where we sort of family-wise, I think, really had the most fun. It really does allow for the family bonding time, the, the time that you don't get together at, at home. You have uh, so much going on in your life, and families hardly even have dinner together anymore. So to be able to go on vacation and have that time together to do things together, to interact, to learn about each other that you don't really do at home because there's just not enough time. Yeah, I'm sure you learn some very interesting things about each other. Yeah, <laughs> you start to, you do. To play some, so I, I learned you that, that your, your your daughter may have a boyfriend. No way! Listen, you know what? Why does she have to? Why does she have to do that? By the way, my daughter's nine. So, uh, but yeah, and obviously that extends out to Castaway Key. That idea of doing things together as a family, or if you want to go to the adult section, where your kids go to uh, to go play there as well too. But I think. We really need to save the most important and the best for last. And, and I think the nice segue is you go to your separate spaces sometimes during the day or at night, but you always come together to share a meal, right? Your, your meals are the most important parts of the day and the night, all three or five or nine meals that you're going to have on board. <laughs> and, the, you know, look, no space was left untouched. I, look, this ship was in dry dock for 40 days. That is not a long period of time. But every part of the ship, from the staterooms to the individual areas inside and out, was touched. And that includes dining as well, too. And inside, uh, in the Disney Magic, there are uh, three different dining rooms, or sort of more sort of formal sit-down dining areas. Animator's Palette, uh, Cabanas, and Cariocas, which, was, which used to be Parrot Key, which I think a lot of people were very happy to see be updated. And Parrot Key was a much more casual... Karaoke's has this great sort of Rio de Janeiro, energetic, but still yet elegant kind of Brazilian feel to it. During the day, it's buffets, and at night, it sort of gets this um, nighttime Brazil. I will tell you, this was my favorite place to eat. I love the theming. I loved the menu at night. So much so that in the name of research, and kids, this is what you can do on a cruise, I ordered four appetizers, two side dishes... Don't, don't judge me, Susanna. <laughs> two side dishes, two entrees, a salad, and two desserts. There's no judging. I did the same thing at Apollo. <laughs> uh, yeah, I loved the, the color palette in karaoke's. It was great. I think it was a, a wonderful um, new overlay there. And the food was... We had the lunch buffet. It was great. And I know you really enjoyed the dinner there as well. Yeah, I enjoyed the dinner for a, a very, very long time. The other place that we had a chance to eat again, we didn't get to try out um, Lumiere's while we were there, was uh, Animator's Palette, which I think for a lot of people was what their first thoughts of are. Because when it was first introduced on The Magic, it sort of blew people away. And so that, that transformation that takes place. And what they've done here is it really is about a done, I hate to sort of say dining experience, but it is sort of a show with your dinner, where they have this newly reimagined, drawn-to-magic show that goes on. 
Yeah, it was amazing because when I first walked on board, it looked a, a lot the same. So I was wondering, is it really different? What have they done here? And then you look closer and you notice that what was used to be pictures are now screens and they come to life in a, in a way that I didn't even imagine that they could. And so much more color pops in this show and the show is so much more uplifting and it was it was amazing. And I didn't cry at this one. <laughs> for those who've been on the other one, there's a little sad part in there that kind of makes you kind of cry for a second. I got a soul. Stop that. <laughs> but this one, the... Um, it's very uplifting. It's looking at all of the positive pieces of a lot of the stories that you know and love. And it is a great way to experience a dinner. And there really is, you know, it's like a play or it's like a movie. There's a, a story that goes on. And what I like, too, is they've really done a lot technology-wise, not just with the screens and the walls, but even in the lighting and the sound. Yeah, and like you said, there's a story. We were guessing what was getting drawn on the screen behind us the whole night, and there's different screens, so it's not like everyone has the same thing. And then it just transforms into getting colored in, and suddenly things are moving, and things are getting backgrounds and coming to life. And I just loved every minute of it, and the ending was just, it just blew me away again, just like the first time I'd seen it. So I, I loved it. I wanted to dine there every night. <laughs> it exceeded my expectations. Definitely exceeded my expectations. And that was the one I think I was going to be the most critical about. Because they did do so many different things with the, the fantasy and the dream when it came to Animator's Palette. And so I was thinking, I hope they don't just try to recreate that on board this ship. And they didn't. So now we have, again, another experience that is only available in one, on one ship on the Disney Magic. And to see it, to experience it, you have to sail on that ship. Right. And if you saw that, you'll get drawn to magic on the four and five night itineraries. If you do seven nights or more, you get drawn to magic and animation magic as well, too. Uh, the other restaurant, too, we should mention, which I love. I love it on the dream and the fantasy, uh, is Cabana's, right? It was the old topsider yeah. buffet. And Cabana's is not just a new restaurant, but it's a much bigger restaurant as well, too. They added more indoor area um, as well as uh, additional outside seating. And this is sort of the... It's not your traditional buffet. It's sort of a, a scatter approach where you can sort of jump into the different sections along the way. But what I want to mention, too, because I think a lot of times when people talk about cruises and the idea of food, they say, oh, it's a Disney cruise. It must just be chicken fingers and hot dog nuggets, and, and I understand what I'm getting. And that's not it at all. I was The first time I cruised, I expected, look, my only frame of reference not to name names, one of the name names, was a carnival cruise. And the food was meh. <laughs> Becky just made a barfing face, but it's, you know, it was yeah. meh. So I, I expected that. I said, well, that's probably what they're going to have on board here. It's going to be a lot. And look, if you want pizza, and actually I love the chicken fingers on board, but that's a separate. <laughs> you can get that kind of stuff up on deck. But the, I think the food is exceptionally good. Like, I love cabanas. Oh, and oh, by the way, cabanas one night does have a late night buffet. There's turkey legs on the buffet and the best chili I've ever had or I was really, really hungry. But, you know, both Animator's Palette and, again, I loved the Brazilian food and the presentation uh, at um, at Carioca's. Yeah, and that's one thing that blew me away because I joined you for that dinner and all of a sudden they put this this little bar in front of your, your plate. And we're kind of looking at that going, what is that? Is that to, to make sure that your food doesn't jump off? Is that safety measures for your plate not falling off the table? Who knows? And then they walk up with these little skewers of meat and then put that in the bar in front of you. So you really do have that 
that Brazilian um, steakhouse experience at sea and safety, <laughs> safety first. So it's not somebody, you know, carving off something as the ship is moving around. But it really was a, a brilliant way of presenting the food. That's really cool. I'm sorry I missed that. Um, yeah, I was just going to say that the food is probably what you will miss the most when you leave the ship. You will miss the waiter knowing what you want to drink and being able to order three appetizers and two entrees and all the desserts. And at Disney does it well. They do it amazing. And, yeah, it's definitely more than chicken fingers and, you know, corn dogs here. And I miss it right now. I'm glad we're going on another cruise in a few days. <laughs> well, it's funny because I think we've all experienced that. You come off a Disney cruise and either you go home or you go to a restaurant and you're like, well, I want four appetizers. And, and your wife or your husband's like, whoa, what, 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 do you, what do you think you are? That's not how it works here, kids. Um, but you guys had a chance to experience, you know, I, I want to keep calling it the new or the updated, but Paulo got a, very much of that same type of makeover and refresh, you know, that... that beautiful woods and the glass artwork panels and new stone floors. Again, you forget that they did this in in just over a month, but that uh, Venetian-inspired, rich color palette, and obviously it is all about the service and the food. Oh, it's an experience that I, it's unmatched in, in the cruise industry, really. It's both dinner and brunch because they did do brunch as well and I, I think brunch is actually one of my very favorite meals and I think it might even outdo a little bit of the dinner for the exception of the chocolate souffle that you have to say yes to if, if somebody listening and says hey do you need would you like the chocolate souffle you just say yes you don't even think about it don't hesitate you just say yes but it is a nice relaxing experience you you're not feel you don't feel rushed up there you um, have a wonderful choice and selection from the menu they have have a, a fantastic filet mignon, as well as a homemade ravioli. They also have a, a gnocchi that was to die for. There's all kinds of wonderfully um, Italian-inspired dishes that are fantastic. Plus, they've just introduced a wine-pairing menu that was new, and it's something that we haven't seen before. And, of course, a lot of people did experience that menu and walked away feeling like they had spent, um, the money was well spent, put it that way. <laughs> it was very enjoyable. So it's just another experience that they're adding now to the Palo. Yes, I had never been to Palo for dinner. I'd been to brunch on the Dream, so I went to brunch and dinner on the Magic, and I was just in love. <laughs> The brunch is amazing because it's, I mean, calling it brunch is almost a misnomer as well because there's so much to choose from. There's like a million little appetizers. There's hot breakfast items. There's uh, full dinner entrees. To do it right, what you're supposed to do is go in at, at like, when they open at 10 o'clock in the morning and you have your breakfast... Right, So you choose either their Eggs Benedict or the Frittata or the Pancakes. They have wonderful choices for breakfast. Then you move on to that appetizer area, which is where you can pick up the meats and the cheeses and the breads and the, the seared tuna and all of those wonderful little delectable pieces. And you sit and you have a great conversation with the friends and the family that you're with. And then you order lunch. <laughs> lunch has the um, choices of one of my favorite is the, um, the chicken parmesan. And they also have, what, uh, what other things? Uh, 
Sultan Boca, was it? The veal? Yes. I think. Yes. This is why when I asked you, what are you doing tomorrow? You're like, I'm spending the day at Paolo. Yes. And you weren't kidding. <laughs> I was not kidding. That's how you do a brunch correctly <laughs> at Paolo, for sure. Because you have to try everything. You have to experience all of these little... You can't say no. Put it that way. You have to do breakfast and you have to do the center and the... It's, huh? And Paolo is an, is an add-on yes. experience as opposed to... You know, obviously the cruises are all you can eat and then you pay for alcoholic beverages but Paolo is sort of an, an add-on experience yeah it is a plus tip experience so they do charge I think it's $30 a person at this point to um, enjoy dinner or brunch at Paolo but the, the food the service and the experience and, and also you have to remember too that that is part of the service charge where um, when you're in your typical dining rotation and you pay gratuities for your servers that is all encapsulated in your gratuity charge but when you go to Paolo they don't get part of that pie so part of that service charge is for the server's compensation. So it's a very small price to pay for what you walk away from. But with the quality of the food and the service and the atmosphere, it's an experience. And it is adults only, yes. too. It's, you, know, it's, you need to be it's 18 and adult, uh, up uh, for adults only. So I think it's one of those things that you should try once. And certainly on some of the longer cruises. Because what I do like is what Disney was the first to introduce was the idea of rotational dining. Right. Right? You look at your, your Key to the World card. And it'll have a code. You'll be at Animator's Palette one night. You'll be at Lumineers next night. You'll be at Karaoke's. Depending on the length of your cruise, you'll rotate through. So I like that. But your, your server follows you along. Like Susanna said, they know you very well. They know what your kid's like. They write the name of your kids on, on their cups. Uh, and, and very quickly, they, they, they come to... Um, you know, feel like friends that you've known forever. And look, you know as cruisers, you go back and sometimes they'll actually remember who you are. But let's go from the dining. Well, we can move from the dining to room service, and because I want to put this available 24 hours a day, which is awesome, um, into the staterooms themselves, too. Because we hear a lot of talk about what happened with the Disney Magic, and people forget that the staterooms have been updated as well, too. And look, I think what Disney does very well, whether you realize it or want to acknowledge it or not, is they pay attention to their guests. They listen to what you like. They listen to what you need. So here, they know that, you know, cabin space is often at a premium. So what they do is they elevated the bed frames again. So now you've got extra spaces there. You're not sort of jamming stuff into the closets. They've got the split bath feature that Disney was the first to introduce that gives you a little bit more space, especially if you've got, you know, three, four people inside your cabin. But the cabins themselves have all new furnishings, all new linens, a whole new sort of, again, this idea of classic cruising, the sort of nautical theme as well, too. Yeah, and the spaces are so well thought out. Because when you do have four people trying to get ready for dinner at the same time, it can be a little difficult to try to navigate the bathroom and trying to get changed and, and so forth. And then, of course, when you're going on a seven-night cruise or longer, like they do have longer itineraries available for these ships, you're going to take more than just one suitcase. So it is brilliant to go ahead and find places where you can stash those suitcases that you're not going to get into for seven, maybe even ten days um, on, a, on a cruise. They've done a great job with that. And, of course, finding um, a lot of seating spaces that, that double into other things, like the, the couch is a fold-out for kids, and then they have pull-downs from the ceiling for the smaller children. One thing that they have done here for people who've sailed on the, um, on the Magic before is they have brought in the full double bed, so they no longer split apart but you do have one full-size bed in there, which is more comfortable, I will say, because that is one of the things when you do have the two twins that go together to make a queen, you definitely always end up with that thing in the middle that you can never be on because the bar is in there and it's just totally uncomfortable. These beds are truly heavenly. 
Yeah, and I like what they did with the spaces too. Again, I don't think you spend a lot of time necessarily inside your stateroom. For me, it's just a place to shower and, and sleep for a few hours before you, you head back out. Um, I like the idea of having the verandas and, and the balconies ones, but it is, it, it's a much more comfortable and it seems, again, it, it seems like it is a bigger space and little touches like having the space under the beds make a big deal, especially on the longer cruises where you have to pack a little bit more. Uh, we were kidding around before about, I wasn't kidding, I really don't care where the ship goes to a certain degree, <laughs> but the uh, the itinerary for the Magic uh, is there's a certain itinerary up until December and that's going to change again in January. So it does leave out of the port of Miami. It doesn't leave out of Port Canaveral. And there are Caribbean and Bahamian cruises. So you'll go to either Key West or Nassau or Grand Cayman or Cozumel. In, from January to May 2014, uh, you'll be heading to the Bahamas as well as Castaway Key. So you'll be from uh, Port Canaveral. Uh, actually, we'll leave out of Port Canaveral then and then go to Nassau and Castaway Key in May of 2014 it'll go to the Mediterranean until August on 7, 4, 5 7, 9 and 12 night European cruises which I'm smiling because I've never hmm, never done that before in September through October it'll go to the Southern Caribbean from San Juan so you can go down to Puerto Rico which is nice too and then October to December it'll leave from Miami again Bahamas and Western Caribbean uh, you know for me I, I like I go back to what Susanna said and it's almost less about the destination that it is about the ship you know it's what ship do I want to be on or how long do I want to go for that helps to determine uh, where I'm going you actually asked me a very interesting question that I think I would have answered differently before I boarded the ship hmm. was if, if all costs being the same right. if I had a choice of a seven night cruise on the magic or a four day cruise on the, the dream, dream which would I choose two weeks ago I would have said oh the dream of I would give serious, and I'm leaning more towards seven nights on the magic. I don't feel as though it's a much smaller ship, like I'm missing something. Um, yeah, there are things, you know, midship detective agency isn't there. There are some other things that aren't there. But I like the size of the ship. Um, I, I love the adult features. My kids loved, I mean, loved, 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 to the point that literally they were like, why are you here? And like, well, because you're the last kids here and it's time to go home. <laughs> Um, the, the kids are is, and I like the restaurants too. And I think I would probably take that seven night cruise on the Magic again, not necessarily caring where I went as long as I hit Castaway Key. Yeah, and you know the one thing after you've experienced this, again, it comes back to their experiences on this ship that you're not going to get anywhere else right now. And I honestly think that the cruise industry is starting to spin part of its um, clientele back towards the smaller ship experience, too. Um, a lot of people have had a lot of the mega ships, and they've had those experiences, and they've been on board with five or 6,000 people, and they're kind of ready for a, a, a smaller ship, more intimate experience. And the, the wonder, or the, the dream, excuse me, not the dream, the magic, thank you, is going to provide that. So, Susanna, having been on the larger class ships, being back on the Disney Magic, what were your thoughts after after step again we were only on for really like a day and a half but yeah no i agree with you completely i think it's a hard uh choice which you're going to choose i want to see the animators palette again i want to at least tour the kids club again even if i can't go there and the adult section i loved it it's it's a great ship and it's i mean i was planning in my head like i need to bring my family back on here and and show them the ship so it's a winner so was there something on the ship that you saw that either 
surprised you or impressed you most? Right. So when people ask you, all right, Becky, tell me about the Disney magic, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Sadly and, and happily at the same time, it's that darn Marvel experience. I, I don't know why, but that really did have, it resonated with me so much that there was this very cool experience that the kids, the, the ones that are kind of shy about going to a kids club, all you need to do is just introduce them to this and they're going to be um, attached to it for the entire length of the cruise, especially if they are, are giving those um, those new assignments and the new things that they're going to do each day. I, I just I thought that that was very impressive. I have to pick one thing. Um, I really love the kids club too, but I would probably have to say I really loved Animator's Palette. I mean, and they didn't even really do that much to it. It's just a different show, but I think it it's just, it defines Disney cruising to me, is that show, that magic, that wonderful start-to-finish experience, um, and then just, you know, the ship itself. I, I can't pick just one thing, because it was just great. <laughs> I think for me, too, it's, I'm trying to sort of, I think of those things that are uniquely Disney, right? Uh, Again, I think the aqueduct is, is uniquely Disney. The, the water play area is uniquely Disney. Animator's palette, the way they do certain things um, is unique to that. And I love the idea of the... And I don't like to keep calling a smaller, more intimate ship, but there is something very romantic and quaint about that. And I mean that both in the romantic and sort of the familial sense of coming together. I think for some people... The larger ships are could be too large, mm-hmm. you know. They they like, and I think like you're right for a first time cruiser. Yeah. This is a great way to sort of figuratively dip your toe into the the, the cruising waters. Um, I, I love the idea of story, and I I am very surprised, but I keep wanting to call this the new ship because it feels like a brand new ship to me. Um, it does not feel like a ship that is. My math is awful. What is it? 15, 18, 15 years old. Um, it does not feel that way at all. And that's what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be a 15-year-old ship that had a little bit of a makeover, a little bit, you know, a little bit of plastic surgery. But Disney did an incredible job of really kind of, you get the sense that they kind of gutted those spaces and gutted these things and built that, that new type of Disney experience right on top of it. Yeah, it wasn't just polished. And I think that that's what I kind of expected it to be. Just, you know, here's some new beds and some new linens and some new furniture and some new carpeting. But it really was, it, to coin their phrase, reimagined. It was, um, take the story was taken and it was updated and it was t- twisted around and it was um, created for a more modern time. And it really does fit into what we're seeing come off the lines currently for current ships and, from lines. I like the feeling of being at sea. I got a sense that this is what these classic ocean liners were probably like, you know, 80 years ago, whatever it was. And those are the kind of things, those are the kind of experiences that, that Walt liked, right? And you could, I almost got a sense of, there's a little bit of Walt in this ship as well, too, both in the decor and the way it's thing, and, and, and the fact that it is all about story. Uh, we took a lot of pictures, took a lot of video. I'm going to post those up on uh, in the show notes and on the blog over at www.radio.com. We also have a video I'm going to put together. Uh, took a lot of video in a short amount of time. Uh, I'll have that up on the website as well, too. And if you want to go on the Disney Magic, and really, why wouldn't you? You should go to mousefantravel.com. Becky and her agents will give you a, uh, a free, no-obligation quote. More importantly, they'll help answer all the questions that you have, because cruising is not like going to visit a theme park. There's a lot to it in terms of planning and things to do on board. And you guys are great in sort of helping people sort of 
handhold them along the way as much or as little as they need. Yeah, and we can also help you figure out what the right itinerary and what the right ship is for you because some people, just by asking a few questions, we can really figure out if the magic is going to be the best experience for you and your family or if the fantasy is going to, to fit your needs better. We'll be able to, from our experiences, or both, or exactly, both. just jump from one to the other. Why not? <laughs> but it would talking with us will we'll be able to help you to figure out what's going to be the best um, experience for your pocketbook and for your family. Speaking of pocketbooks, nice segue. Nobody knows more about <laughs> Dooney. And, right? and you got your Dooney and Burke, your cruise line, oh, your Disney Magic. Yeah, yeah. I still have to post about that because I haven't seen anything. Uh, yeah, there's a brand new Disney Dooney and Burke purse there. And supposedly it's only on the Magic. So there's reason enough <laughs> to go on the Magic. Get to mousefantravel.com. Um, yeah, they had all sorts of cool new merchandise. I really like the new logos and things like that. So Yeah, a lot of stuff, obviously exclusive to even the Avengers shirt that I didn't yes, get. That I cool Avengers. You, but oh, I feel like is it? <laughs> Did you happen to get an adult medium? No. All right. <laughs> well, go check out Xana's post over at xanaland.com. Um, we are getting back on board the Disney Fantasy for our group cruise with Ridley Pearson in just a few days. We'll have to come back on and. Uh, It'll be interesting now to sort of compare and contrast the two ships having been on them back to back. So um, all in the name of of research and fun and family and friends. Thank you guys so much for uh, sharing the experience with me and sharing your thoughts about it uh, here on the show. Well, thank you for having me. Again, even though you guys chickened out on the aqua dunk, we, we value our lives. Well, yes, Becky had a good reason. I'm just she was at Paulo. That's not a good reason. <laughs> she has a scar to show. She got a scar from Paulo. Much chocolate Time for our Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week, where I ask you to test your knowledge of Walt Disney World history or trivia, see how well you pay attention to the details in what you see, or maybe even in what you hear, and then I'll ask you to enter for a chance to win a Disney prize package. Before we get to this week's question, let's go back, review last week's, and select our winner. So last week, during our listener email show, I was talking about my love of Port Orleans Riverside, partially because of how much I enjoy Boatwrights, the table service restaurant there, and although I love French Quarter, it's lacking that one element. But did you know that at one point, French Quarter had its own table service restaurant? So I asked you to identify what that name of the table service restaurant was that used to exist at Port Orleans French Quarter. Again, hundreds of you entered, thanks so much, and a lot of you got correctly that Boatwrights wasn't the only table service restaurant on French Quarter property prior to the year 2000. French Quarter had its own restaurant called Bon Famille's Café, which was located inside the main building, just to the right of where the Scat Cats lounge area currently sits. So again, thanks to all of you who entered. I randomly selected one winner from all the correct entries, and last week's winner of all the audio tours, a luggage tag, button, a Halloween sorcerer's card, and a mystery ticket is Tracy Gara. So Tracy, congratulations. Send me your address. I'll get your prize package out to you right away. If you played last week and didn't win, don't worry, because here's your next chance to enter in this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. 
So obviously this week we are talking about the Disney magic, this completely reimagined ship. We are excited to get on the Disney fantasy for our group cruise with Ridley Pearson. So I'm very much in a Disney cruise line kind of mood. So your question is, of course, going to be about the ships, or more importantly, their godmothers. Because every one of the Disney ships has sort of this honorary godmother. Your question this week is simple. Name them. Give me all four of the godmothers from the magic, the wonder, the dream, and the fantasy you have until Sunday, November 10th at 11.59 p.m. to send your answers to contest at wdwradio.com. This week, you're going to play for a special prize. In addition to all six of my audio walking tours of the Magic Kingdom, I'm going to give you two free tickets to a very special event on Saturday, December 14th, because then the world chapter of the Disneyana Fan Club is having their annual holiday party at Disney's Contemporary Hotel. And this year, they are presenting The Voices of Disney with Bill Farmer, who's the voice of Goofy and Pluto and more, and The Voices of Liberty, artist Paul Madden, and a bunch of Disney and a fan club legends as well. It includes a dinner buffet and dessert. Tickets are normally $95 per person, but I'm going to give away two. So if you're going to be in the Orlando area on Saturday, December 14th, you can win two tickets, be part of the dinner, the presentations, and there's also an amazing silent and live auction to benefit the Pediatric Bone Marrow Transplant pro- Program over at Florida Hospital. You can also find more information about this event by visiting the blog over at www.radio.com. So good luck and have fun. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thanks so much for taking the time and tuning in this and every week. In addition to the podcast, which you can subscribe to and over on iTunes, be sure and check out the website over at wdwradio.com. There we have multiple daily blog posts, which you can subscribe to our free email newsletter. I have new videos every week. You can download the free WDW Radio app, check out our events page for upcoming meets of the month and other events around the country. Also, be sure and tune in every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern for WDW Radio Live. You can watch and be part of the show as I talk about this week's World Disney World news with you right in the chat room. And if you can't catch it live, that's okay. I'll post the videos on the blog, in iTunes, and you can also watch it on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash WDW Radio. Please also follow me on Twitter. I'm at Lou Mangiello, and like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash WDW Radio. If you want to call the voicemail, I love hearing from you at 407-900-9391. That's 407-900-WDW1. Or if you have a question you want answered on the show, you can email me at lou at wdwradio.com. Thanks again to Becky from Mouse Fan Travel. As you know, they are my recommended partner and travel provider because of two I use. Whether you go on to a cruise, Walt Disney World, Disneyland, Adventures by Disney, wherever it might be, she and her team of agents can give you all the best possible prices and discounts at no cost to you and help you with your vacation planning as well. As always, my friends, and you are my friends, whether you have met yet or not, all I ask is that if you like the show, please help spread the word. Let others know about it. Tweet out that you're listening. Share links and comment over on Facebook. And please come by, rate and review the show and the apps over on iTunes. And also, please don't forget to go vote every day starting Friday, November 1st over at podcastawards.com for WDW Radio over in the travel category. And thank you again, not just for the nomination, but for taking the time to listen out of your busy week and for letting me share my love for all things Disney with you through the show and the videos and the blogs and so many other ways. 
And I want you to do what you love each and every day. So remember that sometimes even the smallest step in the right direction can end up being the biggest one of your life. So take that first step, keep moving forward, and most of all, have faith. Thanks so very much. Have a great week. Happy Halloween. See ya. Hi, Lou. This is AJ Minotti from Ohio giving you a call to say hi. Hope you're having a great day. Just listened to this week's show with Becky and uh, listening to you guys talk about the walk around the world uh, reminded me of a fun little story in my family. When I was a little kid in the early 90s, my dad actually told me that he bought Disney stock. And being a little kid not knowing what stock meant, I, you know, I asked him to explain it to me. He tried to say it's like we own a little piece of Disney. So I thought, oh, does that mean we own like an attraction at the parks or something? He kind of said, well, no, son, it's kind of more like we own a brick. I said, okay. So you fast forward a few years later when the walk around the world gets introduced, and we actually were in Disney, and my dad bought a brick that says the Minotti family, and then the names of myself and my two brothers, AJ, Mike, and Chris. So, lo and behold, and I know according to your legalese, I don't actually own it, but whatever, I'm going to say it anyway, I have a brick in Disney World. And we since actually bought one of the uh, 25th anniversary ones at the uh, uh, TTA, and uh, my dad and I also got a brick in Disneyland when we took our first trip out there. So thanks for the memories, and uh, thanks for the great show. I'm really enjoying it, and using it as a great resource to get ready for my upcoming honeymoon to Disney World in July. So keep up the good work, and I'll keep listening. Take care. You've got a friend.